Who Smithers? Jonathan Green. Hard at it. <laughs> Always. I believe we are on the cusp of having mayonnaise. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's not a hard thing. Three egg yolks. I've put a splash of vinegar in because I don't have any lemon juice. And look, you know, that's the thing about cooking, is you don't always have to have exactly what the recipe says. Olive oil, whisk no. away. No, what no. is it? No, what's that? What oil is that? Olive oil would be far too heavy, be Jonathan. Not, okay, no, I'm so wrong. Vegetable oil. This being a grapeseed oil. And look at that. And then? Through the mysteries of science, the ultimate ingredient. Salt. What Voila. do you think? Voila. Voila being the word. There you go. <laughs> the mayonnaise was made to celebrate well this this new season of Annie Jonathan Chats. Yes. <laughs> we got a plan this year, haven't we? We've got a little plan for kitchen rudimentals. Once a month over this coming year, we're going to be dipping into the mind and work of the wonderful Elizabeth David. I know. So Elizabeth David, in particular, he said, pulling up a chair, her wonderful book, French Provincial Cooking, 1960. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm. Now, you have an old hard, hard copy. I went out and realised to my, my distress and alarm that I didn't have a copy of it as we had the conversation about this, so I found one on the internet. Have you ever read it? No. Have you started to read yes. it? Yes. Good. <laughs> That's going to be our text over these next 10 months. We're going to walk our way through French provincial cooking. Uh, they'll be gathered for you with the, the Listen app um, for your, your constant listening pleasure. And we'll just slowly create the, well, the wonder of this book. It, it, and it's an, ex an extraordinary volume. It is an extraordinary volume given that it's still in print. Mm -hmm. That is, you know... Uh, a wonderful achievement for any book to be in print for 60-odd years. Yes, it is. <laughs> for me, it's, a, it's very much a, yeah, it's a text that I actually refer to often. And obviously I cook, yeah, I have a little restaurant that, uh, yeah, what do I cook? French farmhouse food. So the sort of food that is what I think that you would find on a French country table. Mm-hmm. Or an Australian table that has taken some of the principles of French cookery and transposed them into our world in a way that suits our dining experience. And this book is extraordinary because it, it, there were great texts before this. There was your Larousse and your Escoffier. Yeah. These incredibly encyclopedic recipe after recipe after technique after recipe after recipe all just sort of flowing on for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds, hundreds of, of pages. pages. But here's this book. That is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. Well, it kind of does the same thing but in this beautiful, approachable, conversational style. It does. And I think that is one of the, you know, the extraordinary things about it. And But you've got to look at why she wrote it. Mm -hmm. So... She was sent off to Paris in, for art school in the 30s, I think, before the Second World War. Did a bit of acting, <laughs> did a bit of this, did a bit of that, ran off with somebody, 
As you would. As you would. And, uh, you know, down to the south of France and then through Italy and then ended up in Egypt and things. And when war broke out and she finally came back to England, after spending years sort of going from Paris and then all the way down to Egypt, one of the things that struck her was the appalling state of British food. Now, when you look at all the places that she she travelled to, they obviously had much better climates than good old mm. England. More conducive to the growing yeah. stuff. And then <laughs> post-war Britain, as we know, was mm. sort of a, yeah, there was a dearth of anything delicious or lovely or even vaguely inspiring. So you can imagine coming sort of, if you come through the sunny Mediterranean and into the, you know, into North Africa, and then you come home to dreary post-war ration central England, I think your heart would break in two. But this, but this is the wonderful thing about... I mean, of course, the world had been at war. The world had had it tough. Yes. But here you had these cultures of food that were all about what was made locally and the things that were done with it locally. And, and that, beautiful markets. That, that could still be intact. Yes. Even more so mm. because they had to rely on their own little communities and things. But I think it, it possibly illustrates sort of the... Yeah, Britain, you know, when I, if I travel to Britain now, I am overwhelmed by the wonder and the beauty of their markets, the extraordinary service and friendliness of the local butcher, the fishmonger, yes. the cheesemonger. <laughs> They're quite good at it. <laughs> They're incredibly good at it. Yet I was, you know, at you know, in my late 50s or mid-50s, maybe I should say mid-50s, you know, I was brought up with this notion that British food was absolutely awful. Now, British food is not awful now. There's a lot about British mm. food that is absolutely delicious. And that sense of village life and providors and the importance of all of these things, it's not a new thing, but perhaps... Maybe it got lost post-war. And, and, and Elizabeth David, and this is, you know, her importance in the transition between those two worlds yeah. can't be understated. She, she is almost this sort of point of contact between food culture and British culture and making, bringing the two together, giving, giving that British food culture a greater confidence. Absolutely. And being, a, you know, in a sense, the, the starting point of some wonderful British food writers. And you think about Jane Grigson. You know, mm. she, she, her, her works and things were inspired by what Elizabeth David did, you know, in the beginning. And then sort of, the, but there's a whole army of them, including our lovely Stephanie Alexander. And the work that she must have done to create this, you know, French provincial cooking is a pretty thoroughgoing piece of work. There's there's a lot of stuff to cook in there. I wouldn't want to count the recipes in here. It's not like one of your modern cookbooks, which is here's 12 things that you can, all of which you can make with four ingredients in 10 minutes and it, it adorns your lifestyle. It's not and that it's, kind of book. No, but it's not also a book that is, you know, it's obviously a textbook. It's not a, mm. it, it's not full of photos and mm. sort of when you start to... Um, well, tell us about it because we're going we're gonna to pick our way through and we've, we've 
we've just uh, just done the first section on sources with <laughs> making your mayonnaise. Well, we do. So, so she has a little introduction, and then she takes us on a quick tour of the provinces, which is is important. She then does what we have done in our little world of our radio program. Oh, she talks about the battery de cuisine. And so, yeah, there is a quite a long chapter it's about... Kitchen equipment. ..all the things that you need. And there's a lot of things that you don't... Um, you know, like there's a, there's a dish here for tripala mode, you know, so tripe, or a Provençal tian for vegetable and gratin dishes. So, again, it speaks to this, you know, immediately you're immersed in this French culture of mm. sort of having a vessel that is appropriate for a dish, which signifies the depth of their love of their cooking, their love of their food, their love of their history, of the fact that you know, there are designated things for cooking particular items, which I think is just a beautiful touchstone to the old-fashioned world. Yeah, it is. You know, you can't put... I just imagining a kitchen big enough to hold them all, but... Well, they had nice big kitchens. <laughs> then she has a chapter about cooking terms and processes. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, you know, this is incredibly important to understand the bits and pieces that make up cooking language. Because it is a language all of its own. You know, a frapper. Frapper. What's that? What does that mean? To freeze, a liquid, a cream. Also to chill wine or fruit. You know, le champagne frappe, chilled, not frozen champagne. Melon frappe, iced melon. You know, it all makes perfect sense when you read it, but sometimes if you take an instruction in a recipe that you find on the internet and you think, what does that mean? Yes. And here in 1960, <laughs> she spelt out, out yes. all of these things. Now, here's a fun fact for you, Mr Green. Gas came to Paris in 1908. <laughs> okay. Yes. So you think about gas and you think about electricity, the two main things that we cook on now. Yep. I've only been doing it for 120 odd years. Mm. So everything before that was fire. Mm. So whether it be a baker's oven or a little oven at home or a or a heating stove or whatever. You got to you sit and think with that, and you think about how that innovation expanded the possibilities of cooking and and what. But people do and in what absolutely. time. Absolutely. Mm. But also how it the modernisation of our own kitchens mm. has allowed mm. us to stray from the recipes that you know, were handed right. down you know, for generation after generation, say the British. The stuff know, that just needs heat, never mind the, never mind the sauce. Or the flavour. Yeah. So... Um, I think one of the things that she took hold of was the fact that while a lot of these recipes that are absolutely delicious and have been around for a long time, is with the modernisation of the world by the time we get to 1960, is that this is a possibility for the home cook to step up their cooking and make an impression. We're not going to say that you need to read the book no. or that it's a text. No, this is not It'd be nice book club. If you did. <laughs> it's not book club, <laughs> but it is. It is incredibly beautifully written too, and I think that that it's is exceptionally approachable. It, that is, yeah, one of the one of the things that I like about it. We are in coming months going to push on through the book. Sources is just the beginning. 
And, and recipes, of course, will, will be included. Annie's mayonnaise will be... You, we will find that on the blueprint page of the Radio National website. Full instructions there for, well, the most fun you can have in five minutes. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Jonathan. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.